Welcome back to Small State of Big Takes. This is episode 149. Today we have Alex Barth of 95 The Sports Hub replacing basically Josh because he's not here today. But nonetheless, we have Alex Barth on to talk Pats, Sox, Celtics, whatever. So, Alex, welcome on. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here. Hell yes. Alex, how are you feeling about the Patriots right now? Give us everything. Give us your biggest take about the Patriots. Yeah, uh, I feel pretty good. I think that compared to where they were last year, you, you can't help but be happy with the spot they're in right now. I think they did just about everything they realistically could this offseason to get better. I know some people will still point to the wide receiver position and, and bitch and moan that they didn't add. Can I swear on here? <laughs> Yo, oh, I yeah. Yeah. fucking fuck, swear fuck, all day. Fuck, fuck, fuck. I know, I know that's not a swear, but it made me think of it. And if it builds to it, um, <laughs> I know a lot of people bitch and moan. They didn't get Julio Jones, they didn't get Odell Beckham, whatever. They got the two best tight ends on the market. Pass catchers catch passes. Doesn't really matter what two letters are next to their name on the roster. So, um, you know, I, I think they did everything they realistically could do to get better. I think this defense is going to be night and day from what it was last year. Uh, I know people don't want to hear it, people don't want to watch. 13 to 10, 16 to 13 football games. That's the kind of games I think this team's trying to play. That's the kind of games this team's going to win. And I think they can win, you know, a decent amount of them. I don't know if they're going to win 14, 15 games, but they'll be competitive. So uh, I think, you know, Patriots fans will always find reasons to complain. They, they lived in football nirvana. We lived in football nirvana, me among them, I should say. I don't mm-hmm. want to sound like I'm talking town anybody. Um, <laughs> we, we lived in football nirvana for 20 plus years there. And now, as I've been saying, there used to be 31 NFL teams in the New England Patriots. Uh, now the Patriots are one of 32. And I think there's an adjustment to that from the fan base. Um, but, you know, for one of 32, the Patriots had a pretty darn good offseason. And I think they're they're in position to make some noise this year. We'll see how much noise, but make some noise. Now, are you on Team Cam or Team Mac right now? And are you willing to change? Or what's the deal? What's going on? Yeah, so, I mean... I don't know. I kind of think that whole, I, I talked about this today with Evan Lazar and the Patriots beat podcast. Cause Evan constantly gets accused of being, you know, showing Mac favoritism and being a cam hater, whatever terms people want to throw out. And, and so then I had to give my take on it. I just want to see him win games. I just want to see him be competitive. And if Cam Newton gives him a chance to do that, great. If Mac Jones gives him a chance to do that, great. I think they each bring very different skill sets to the table. That's not exactly how I would have structured it. Um, I think I, you know, if I was going to draft a quarterback and then bring in a bridge veteran, I would have kind of matched the skill sets, but here we are. I think in in terms of what I think will happen, I certainly think Cam Newton will get the start week one and get the start for the, at least the first month. I know people want to see Mac versus Brady. I just don't think that's realistic. Um, First off, this team values experience a ton and it, and rightfully so. I think there's something to that. Uh, Cam Newton just has experience that Mac Jones can't match. He's been in the league for 10 years. He's won an MVP. He's been to a Super Bowl. Mac Jones hasn't taken a regulation snap, and he's going to have to eventually. You can't get from no experience to experience. You have to you know, pick that up as you go. But I think they're going to want Cam Newton to start. The other thing is, the way I look at it, and this is kind of an abstract way of looking at it, picture Mac Jones as a checklist, right? Say it's 100 items, 150 items long. Mac Jones can't be the starting quarterback until he checks off every item on that list, right? I think that there's items on that list that can't be checked off until the regular season starts. So for instance, learning how to game plan for a team and spending an entire week studying a defense, learning a defense, implementing the game plan to beat that defense. 
going out, working against the scout team, just the, the process of a regular season week in the NFL. He, I, I, I think it would be incredibly valuable to him. And I think the team would think this too. It would be incredibly valuable to him to watch all of that from the back seat before he actually has to do it himself. If he starts week one, obviously he doesn't get that opportunity. So I think there's little things like that on that checklist that, you know, he has to check off before he can start that he can't check off before week one to no fault of his own. It's just the way things are structured. So, you know, I, in terms of which team I am, who do I think will start? I think Cam Newton is the week one starter. I know he said today, Bill hasn't told him. Uh, I'd be pretty surprised if Mac Jones starts week one. I I have, we, I kind of look at week five as the logical place to make the switch. Unfortunately, they have a super late buy this year, a super late Thursday night game. So they don't have that built in extra time to make the change. So to me, it's more, you know, all right, you get a weak opponent. You, it, it's a little bit of a trap game in some ways. It's it's their only game in a five game stretch on the road. They go home, home, road, home, home. Um, and it's, it's just a crap team. It's a really bad team. So I think, and I don't know that there's another lot. I think week, week six, whatever that is the second jets game is like week six or seven sometime in October. Maybe you do it there. Um, if you don't make the change in one of those two weeks, I don't know that there's a logical spot to do it and you don't have to do it in a logical spot. But I don't know that there's a logical spot to do it until you get to, you know, after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So I know that's a really long way of answering your question, but it's a very complicated <laughs> question. I, I'm not necessarily team Mac or team Cam. I think it's all about the process. I think so. Here, here, here's here's how I'll wrap this answer up. A lot of Patriots fans look at it and say, OK, Mac, if Mac Jones gives them the best chance to win in September of the 2021 season, he should be the quarterback. And that might not be incorrect, but here's the thing. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks get rushed into the starting job and it ruins them. The example I like to give is Josh Rosen, and he's obviously a joke now. I don't think Josh Rosen was a bad quarterback coming out of college. I really don't. What happened was the Cardinals put him in before before he was ready and before they were ready to start him. He goes in behind one of the worst offensive lines of all time and just got the crap beat out of him. And he developed bad habits. He developed bad tendencies. He got a quick trigger and he's still trying to correct all of that. So, you know, Mac Jones may be the better option in the short term, but what you need to look at is, does that, is that what's best for Mac Jones, right? You, you, you don't want to do what's best for September, 2021 as counterproductive as that sounds. What's best for, for the 2021 season doesn't matter at the quarterback position. You want to do what, what choice is going to make Mac Jones a better quarterback for the 8 to 10 to 12-year window? Because that's what we all really want, right? We all want sustainability at the quarterback position again. So if him, I, I will trade a month or two months of bad quarterback play now if it makes Mac Jones a better player over the next 8 to 10 to 12 years. So that's the way I look at it. You have to look at the big picture. You have to make sure he's ready. Cause the other thing I think that gets forgotten a ton. Once you make that change, you make the change. I don't think you can go back. I don't think you can start Mac Jones for two weeks and say, Oh, he's not ready. We're going back to camp. Uh, it doesn't work like that. So you got to be, he has to be ready. You have to be sure he's ready. And then you make the change. It's not worth rushing. I'm sorry. I know that was like 20 minutes. It's a very, it's a very <laughs> good it. question. Very complicated question. That, you know, that last point you made is exactly what I was going to bring up. Once Mac Jones starts, Cam Newton is an afterthought. It's Mac Jones's team from there on out. You can't like, and I point down to Tua. Well, you can't do what they were doing to Tua last right. year—just in and out, subbing him in, subbing him out. Because I'm a, 
I, I, out of college, I was thought Tua was going to be great. And I still hold on to, I think Tua can handle it and be a good quarterback. But the way Flores handled that last year, I think destroyed his confidence, set him back, et cetera, et cetera. And I point to a guy like Josh Allen, who I've been a big critic of, but the Bills stuck with him. Once they put him in, he's been their guy since then. And now he's gotten better and better each and every year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're spot on. I think two is a great example of that. Because again, it goes back to, I mentioned you can develop bad tendencies if you put the quarterback in too early, but you know, you can screw with him mentally too. If he's in and out of the lineup, like with the, from the office, snip, snap, snip, snap. Right. So <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I think, and I mean, that's not definitive. You obviously could, but I think it would just for a number of reasons, it would be a really bad idea pending injury to go back to Cam Newton after you've made the change to Mac Jones. So you get one shot at it and you know, I'm not, you know, if, if you're a fan and you're looking at that, Oh, well, Mac versus Brady would be so cool. It would be so worth it. No, it wouldn't. If they blow a first round pick on a quarterback, just because, you know, you would, you know, you would get your rocks off at, at, at some Brady revenge porn <laughs> or whatever. That's not worth it. No, this situation, you get one shot at this, you get one try at this. And I, I don't mean to be dramatic, but it is, you get one shot at this and the, the next 10 to 15 years of the organization hang in the balance. Don't take that lightly. Don't rush it. Make sure the timing is right. No, definitely. I think that logic could be, uh, that is sage advice for a lot of Patriots Twitter, who I know that during the last preseason game was a muck. I don't know what your your timeline looks like for Twitter and how many uh, fans versus just media you follow, but uh, from our vantage points, at least, or at least my own, it was a, that was a disaster of just like, it was just like everyone just trashing Cam Newton one second and being, well, like, look at incompletion by, uh, by Mac. And it's like, world the camp people it was just it was crazy so i i appreciate that logic but i totally agree too my question is yeah. though in terms of uh what does cam have to do to hold on to that job even if mac is going to progress i think pretty pretty well and kind of even from what uh you've been reporting too it sounds like he's he is making um doing the right things and it's he really yeah. hasn't had a, a setback quite yet but at the same time cam himself has looked better than he did in 2020 in terms of that that, that Bucks game week four after that, you mentioned week five is a possibility. Is it all dependent on record? Like if they're 500 or below, then all of a sudden it's like, then all the, the Mac hype is going to be building. Or do you think it's more based on Cam's individual performance as opposed to like the team record? Yeah. So by the way, I don't know if you lucked into that or if you really watch my stuff a lot, but doing the things, you know, doing all the right things has kind of been my catch, my go-to phrase throughout camp. I've been getting made fun of for <laughs> yeah. how much I say that. So, uh, but it's true. It is what it is. Um, yeah. yeah when it, and, and that's a good question. I think when it comes to that job, so I I've maintained this for a while and it goes back to what I talked about before with them valuing experience. I don't think Mac Jones can win the starting job, so to speak. I think Cam Newton has to lose it. Meaning if even if Mac Jones comes up out and lights up these next two preseason games, as long as Cam Newton is keeping his head above water, I think that job is his. Uh, where it ties into record, you know, that gets really interesting. I think the weirdest thing would be if Cam Newton's succeeding and they're losing. I don't think that would happen because this team's gonna be <laughs> driven on defense. I think if um, you know, if they're winning games, but if they're winning games and Cam's struggling, Cam's going to stay in because he's not, he's not struggling enough. They're winning games. And that, you know, like I said, he, Mac can't win that job. Cam can only lose it. So if they're winning games, he's clearly doing enough. I think what it comes down to is turnovers. Cause that's the way this team is built. 
And that's been Bill Belichick's philosophy for years. If you don't turn the ball over, odds are greatly in your favor that you're going to win the football game. So I think if with Cam Newton, he can complete 40% of his passes. He can throw for, you know, two, three yards of completion. But if he's not throwing picks and he's not fumbling the ball, they're going to keep him in there. And the reality is, even if he's doing that, they still may be able to win games. That's how good their offensive line is, I believe. That's how good these running backs are, I believe. And then Cam yeah. factoring in in the running game as well. And then the defense, of course. I mean, it's all defense-driven. But, you know, I I think this team can win games as long as Cam Newton doesn't turn the ball over. And if he doesn't turn the ball over, they're not going to take him out. So that's what, it, that's what it comes down to to me is ball security because that's the biggest fear with the rookie quarterback is mental yeah. lapses and turnovers. So – if Cam's, you know, if Cam's not doing that, then you don't have to venture into the unknown. I think if he starts turning the ball over a ton, making mental mistakes, then you kind of look at it and say, okay, well, you know, Max, you know, okay, he's making a bunch of rookie mistakes. At least the rookie possesses some upside. Like that's what it's going to take to make the change is when Matt, when Cam Newton is making rookie mistakes and he, that experience isn't working in his advantage. If he's not using that experience to his advantage, then it makes all the sense in the world to go to Mac Jones. That's when the change will happen. Yeah, I, I am excited too. I haven't thought about this until you kind of making those comments. It makes me think, what's the one thing that, or not the one thing, but a big thing that people say about Belichick is he game plans against rookie quarterbacks so well, right? And it's like, right. so I, I I imagine that it's, it's going to be unique because we really haven't seen this and we've been fortunate to not have to see this. But you have to imagine that Mac's going to be ultra prepared and that bill is putting him through the ringer in these practices and even trying to put him in situations in these joint practices and whatnot to like, to, to really test him the way that he, he knows how to poke holes in, in rookie quarterbacks that, uh, that do are susceptible to those mistakes that you mentioned. Yeah. And, and bill has done that in practice. They've run a ton of two minute, a ton of hurry up. They, they made yeah. sure to get him the two minute drill at the beginning of the third quarter during the preseason game. Oh, true. Uh, it, and, and yeah, no, I, I, again, it goes back to that checklist I talked about, you know, they are, they are going to put this kid through the ringer. So I'll give you kind of, you want to put your tinfoil hat on for a second. There's a little conspiracy theory. I have. <laughs> Go give it to us. Love it. Remember, oh, that's what we live this is, for. Okay, this is, this is a super low rent conspiracy theory. This is like Trader Joe's purposely makes its parking lots too small. So the stores look more full kind of conspiracy theory. Like there's no stakes here, <laughs> but like that one. So when I worked for the Cape league, right. I remember there was uh, there was a, I can't remember. I can never remember the kid's name, but, but the team had a closer and if we were up three runs, he was money. If we were up one run or there was inherited runners on base, he would just struggle. So one day there was a showcase, it was a practice showcase, and the the coach or the manager had the equipment staff put pants that were two sizes too big in his locker. And it was basically just, hey, this isn't a perfect situation. How do you handle it? And he had to learn to ignore the fact that his pants were too big. So remember all the pictures of Mac Jones? Do you see where I'm going with this? Remember all the pictures of Mac Jones at minicamp where that jersey was hanging off of him? Yes. Would you put it past Belichick to give him like a like Vince Wilfork's old jersey just to be like, <laughs> hey, here's something for you to deal with. Like here's an annoyance for you to deal with. Welcome to the NFL. So I don't know that that's what it is or not. But when I saw Mac Jones comes at, come out there in, in the, the jersey and the shorts that were clearly too big for him, and maybe that's just how he likes to dress. I like my clothes baggy. I think it's very comfortable. I don't know that I'd do that if I was playing professional football, but you know, I'd like to think that Bill Belichick kind of went to the equipment staff and said, Hey, what's the biggest Jersey we have? What are the biggest shorts we have? Let's make this kid sweat a little bit. 
Like, I, I think that there's stuff like that going on behind the scenes where Bill's making sure, like you said, not just ready in terms of knowing the playbook, but mentally ready. Because that's what it comes down to. He's going to learn the playbook. He's a very smart kid. He came from a pro-style offense at Alabama. A lot of this stuff isn't going to be super new to him. It's making sure he's mentally ready and in some ways emotionally ready to start an NFL game. And that's, you know, that's a way you could get a guy ready for something like that. Yeah, no, that, that's funny. That's a that's an interesting conspiracy. I think I just assumed because his hot number was so high, just like old school days of playing basketball, where it's like, all right, you got number 45. It's going to be a double XL. Just like. <laughs> no, because they have they've had defensive linemen wear non-contact jerseys that are, you know, right. smaller. So they they have all those red jerseys. They just screen the number on that morning. That's all that is. OK, OK. So. You keep pointing to how dominant the defense is going to be. Is are you assuming this is with Stefan Gilmore? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they can still be good without him. I don't know that they can be that good without him. I mean, he, he's going to make the defense go that, that outside corner position always makes the Patriots defense go. I mean, as far back as Ty law, right. Under Belichick and, and Aqib Tlaib and Darrell Rivas. And, you know, it's no coincidence. Their longest gap without an appearance in the AFC championship game was the, the Earthwind Moreland Tyrone pool years, <laughs> you know, and I'm trying to remember who the other guys were that they had at that time. That was Ellis Dowling. Hobbs and that type of Ellis stuff. Ellis Hobbs or... was in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, the Patriots needs to find Gilmore more than Stefan Gilmore needs the Patriots. I don't think you spend all that money in the off season to move on from your best defensive player, probably best player on your football team. Um, I think ultimately they get him back. Now the injuries, another issue and we don't entirely know what that situation is. Um, I am a little concerned. I think if there is one thing that bites this defense, it's, it's their lack of depth at outside corner, right? Last year, Jason McCourty played 33, uh, sorry, 65% of the snaps for the Patriots. He's gone. There's no obvious replacement. Um, you know, you'd like to think that uh, uh, Juwan Williams could fill that role. He's had a slow start to camp. So you got to fill those snaps somehow, but you know, if they stay healthy, yeah, I think the potential is defense it, with Stephon Gilmore, the potential is defense is through the roof. And how do you feel about the team overall? Do you, you thinking, you know, AFC championship, how, how far are we getting here? Give me, yeah, give me a I big mean, take. It's, it's so tough to say because, you know, if it's, you know, every team, every year, every NFL team, every year, there's one position where you say, okay, well, the level of success hinges on this, but some positions, it, it, the, the swing in terms of wins might only be two or three wins. There, there's three positions where you can, you can swing, uh, you know, five, six, seven, eight games, yeah. and that's quarterback, tackle, and corner. And the Patriots have some uncertainty at two of those three positions. So, you know, if they get above average quarterback play and Stephon Gilmore comes back and is healthy, in a 17-game schedule, 12 wins could be realistic. Hey. 12, 13 wins could be realistic. If they get the quarterback play they got last year, probably looking at a seven or eight win season again. So, you know, it, it, it comes down a lot to that, but I think – the AFC East as a whole, I don't think got much stronger. I think the bills are going to take a step back. Miami is what it, Miami. They are what they are. The jets are horrible. Um, you know, they got the, <laughs> the NFC South. So, you know, the Jaguar or sorry, the AFC South. So uh, Trevor Lawrence, great. The Jaguars are still pretty far away. The Colts could absolutely suck. Houston's going to be the worst team in the league. Titans yep. are a pretty good football team, but that's one game. Um, and then in the end, who do they have in the NFC? In the NFC, they have the, they have the think, South. Oh, they also have the South, right? So, yeah. Saints, you don't know. They don't really have a quarterback. Panthers, you don't know. They don't really have a quarterback. Falcons can be hit and miss. Obviously, the Bucks are the real deal, but, you know, I, and then they got that third place schedule. So, and then the Cowboys, who are okay. So, you know, between that schedule, between them getting monumentally better, the, D, the division staying more or less what it is, 
yeah, I, I, I think they could be okay as long as that quarterback plays at another level and as long as Stephon Gilmore plays, I don't know, he's played 17 games, but, you know, 14, 15 games, something mm-hmm. like that. Fair enough. I like that answer. I, I have another question for you that's uh, a little bit off the tape. Well, I don't know, similar kind of question. Uh, Oliver and I have had this argument before. Gilead and I have the same side. Uh, we're, give me your top five quarterbacks in the league right now. Like based on last year, what I'm expecting this year. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Based on last year, I guess, based on just your general knowledge of like who you think is the best. Uh, okay. So who not necessarily the best performance, but who, who's the yeah. most skilled. Yeah. And you, like, who would you rather, okay. who would you like most likely to have? And this could also go for fantasy purposes too, because we also cover uh, fantasy stuff. Okay. I'll, I'll think just in terms of, of, you know, who you like the nose. Yeah. Um, I would go, let me think. Mahomes is one. Rogers is two. Okay, so actually here, this reminds me of something. My top three, that's right, because I've been making this point. Mahomes, Rogers, Brady. In terms of Mac Jones needing to start this year, those three, three best quarterbacks in football last year, started mm-hmm. a combined one game as a rookie. It was Patrick Mahomes in week 17. So no remember shit. that. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I yeah, wow. so I, I go Mahomes, Rogers, Brady, uh, Russell Wilson, and then I know I'm missing somebody. But I want to say it's pretty close at five. You know, Josh Allen was a top five performer last year. I think last year was a fluke. I don't think he can replicate that. Oh, Deshaun Watson would be five. Um, and obviously, you know, going forward, we don't know what his situation is. Um, Josh Allen was a top five performer last year. I, I don't think he can sustain that. I, I think that that was, you know, every what if going his way. Lamar Jackson's up there. I, I think he kind of, you know, the book's starting to come out on him. You, you saw he, he might have some some Achilles heel type weaknesses you saw in the playoffs last yeah. year. If his team doesn't get yeah. ahead, like throwing um, the football, right. Russell Wilson's up. <laughs> if I didn't say Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson's up there. I might put Russell Wilson yeah. actually ahead of, um, or did I say Russell Wilson? Or you no? did. I think yeah. you said him at yeah, four. Yeah. four yeah. Did I put him at four. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say he should be at four. Um, you know, I like Dak. I think Dak's a pretty good quarterback. I don't know. I put him in the top five. I'd probably put him in the top 10. Um, but yeah, that's my top five. So yeah, there you go. It? So what's up? No Kyler Murray. Not sniffing it? Is he in the... Kyler's weird for me. Kyler is very talented. But, so I look at the quarterback position. I, I can't help but look at the quarterback position outside of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. I can't help but look at the quarterback position as kind of a long-term thing, right? And Kyler, to me, and by the way, he's not... The, I, I feel the same way about Tua. Uh, I feel the same way about Baker. I feel the same way about Zach Wilson. Maybe not Baker as much, but, but Tua, Zach Wilson, Kyler... These, these guys are small and Baker's short too. The reason I kind of leave Baker off is he's more built, right? Kyler's not thick and he's very talented, but the way he plays, he gets hit a ton. And it's one thing in college to get hit by these defensive ends that are 250, 260 pounds. Now the defensive ends are just as fast and as strong, but they're 300 pounds. And I wonder how long a guy like Kyler Murray can last in the NFL. You know, if I'm going top five to win a game, I don't think I put Kyler in my top five. He's up there. If I have to start my franchise. This is what I, this I'm is taking, my follow-up question right now. Give me your yeah, top yeah. five to start your franchise with right now. Top five to start my franchise with right now. Okay. Yeah. Mahomes is still one. Um, we're, and we're, I'm guessing we're factoring in age here, right? Yes, we are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Brady and Brady and Rogers are out of it. Yeah. Um, Mahomes is still one. I put Watson up there. Um, I'd put. I'd probably put Lamar Jackson up there. I think if you put the right pieces around him, you could win. Um, and I think there's something to be said for uniqueness. 
I'd like see. I want to put two. I want to put two and Kyler on there, but I can't because again, I don't know the durability. Um, I'd put Herbert on there. Duh. Uh, I'd put Justin Herbert on there. I'd probably put Dak on there, honestly, because I think you know he maybe lacks some of the raw arm talent. Some of the other guys I mentioned, but I think what he brings in football IQ and what he brings in leadership, like you know, if you're starting your team, you got to build a chemistry uh, and you got to build a culture. And I think Dak would be a good guy for that. Um, and probably Trevor Lawrence. I think he's incredibly talented. I think he's a special player. We need to see what he is at the NFL level, but everything I saw at Clemson, I think the guy's going to be, um, he has the tools to be a stud. We'll see how urban Meyer ruins him and how the Jacksonville Jaguars organization <laughs> ruins him. Um, but no, finally, way. I think, yeah, yeah I, I think that, you know, in a bubble, it, you know, if I could make the decisions and I could put the pieces around him, I certainly would have urban Meyer coach, if I could put the right pieces around him. Yeah. I'd take him. I think he's going to be special. So Josh Allen does not factor in that top five. So my thing with Josh Allen is, and I get accused of being a Bills hater all the time. And I probably am. I went so to school I, in New York. I had to deal with Bills fans. I, I can't stand them. They're just the worst kind of people. Um, <laughs> I was just saying, you, I think, you used to be in Ithaca, right? I, I, I remember I was, seeing that. Your, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I went to Ithaca College. So um, oh, cool. okay. I was up there for like the EJ Manuel years where like they thought EJ Manuel was going to be good. And they talked so much oh. trash based on EJ Manuel. Like Brady's <laughs> going to be retired in our time and EJ Manuel and uh, – and, and it was an absolute bills like at least jets fans know their team is ass okay like bills fans have the same team but they think those players are good i'll give jets <laughs> fans this there's some level of self-awareness there anyway with josh allen so do you josh hate josh allen, allen? <laughs> josh allen was a, a, about a 50 percent completion guy dating back to high school he was that in high school he was that at wyoming he was that early on in uh college right uh or early on in the nfl and then he jumps to 74%. And look, I know Stephon Diggs is really good. I do. And I think he helps him a little bit. You don't make that jump and then stay there. That's just, you know, you don't get to that point in your career and suddenly you're hitting bullseyes left and right. Flex, so, yeah. so you don't you know, believe. I, you don't no, believe. I, well, I mean, well, everything the Bills needed to go right last year in terms of veterans pushing back, veterans pushing back regression, health, um, it, it just everything, right? Everything they needed to go right went right. It reminded me a lot of the twenty uh, the twenty thirteen Red Sox. Were the twenty thirteen Red Sox the most talented team in the world? No, but when you get every what if to go your way, and then you just kind of everybody buys in, you can you, you can be a dangerous Ortiz, team yeah. that way, <laughs> right? But that's not that's not sustainable. Your all your what ifs aren't going to come true every single year. So I just look at the Bills and I say, okay, last year was a one in a million season. They'll still be good. But, you know, they're going to regress to the mean. And by the way, this happens every year. The, the, the big example, the extreme exact example is the 2017 Jacksonville Jaguars. That team had a That's fourth true. quarter lead in Gillette Stadium in the AFC Championship game. And people were ready to crown them, talking about that great defense and Blake Bortles had finally turned the corner and those receivers, right? Now that, that team's two years later entirely blown up. And that's the extreme example, but there's others. The 2018 Rams, right? McVay and Goff. That was the duo. This team was going to break every offensive record. They were going <laughs> to, you right, know, man. they were going to win. They weren't going to, it was impossible to stop them schematically. It was impossible to stop them. Well, they've been good since, but they don't really have a marquee win. And they've since traded Jared Goff to a team that wants to start a rebuild. So, okay, that one didn't hold up. They regressed. Then the Ravens in 2019. Lamar had an amazing season. He was great. He won the MVP. He absolutely should have. He was outstanding. Last year, they were still good but they weren't quite the same team. You could kind of see some of the pieces falling apart and they regressed to the mean where they probably belong. So that's the last three years. We've seen one of these teams every year. 
And if you were to ask me which one of those teams is going to be this year, I feel very good saying that it's going to be the Buffalo Bills this year that regress to the meet. And that doesn't mean they're going to suck, but, you know, 10 wins. If they, They're going to probably win 10, 11 games. If the Patriots get confident quarterback play, we could have a real divisional race. All right, I respect I like that. It. I'm Oliver, a Bills hater, too. Oliver hates the Bills and Josh Allen. Uh, I, I think Josh Allen is the second coming of Tom Brady. Uh, and, <laughs> and this is <laughs> – I, he, I, I don't know if you said that sarcastically or not, but you, you couldn't be more wrong. Last, this this, this I believe... time last year, I asked him if he would rather have Russell Wilson leading his team or Josh Allen. This time last year, going into the season, and he said Josh Allen, no hesitation and over look what Russell happened. Wilson, and look I lost my mind. Look, well, look what happened. Russell Wilson was a unanimous MVP for the first 12 weeks of the season before he fell off the And then he died the off, and then the he earth. didn't get a single vote. He's right. I, I said before he fell face the earth. Well, let me ask you this, and you can like Josh Allen, that's fine. But yeah. in terms of the Brady comparison, Tom Brady is one of Brady's best traits is he can, you could, you could put, you remember those like dots candy that you'd rip off the paper? Love that stuff. <laughs> yeah. You could put one of those on the side of an airplane hanger and Brady would hit it from 50 yards away. Josh Allen would miss the hanger entirely. <laughs> All right. Look, that was so an extreme your- example. I should have said that. Plane. <laughs> yeah. Like in the air. If you want to, like, I, maybe you just meant you think he can win as much as Brady, which he can't, but that's fine. But, like, in terms of the player comp, like. That was I'm, wrong. Like, that I, was wrong. I admit that. That was wrong. No, I didn't. I don't mean, I don't mean to come at you. I'm just saying, like. <laughs> but I Brady, will say yeah. the thing where I'm coming with, with that is that if I was to build a team around anybody after Mahomes right now, no doubt in my mind, 100%, the first quarterback I'm going for is Josh Allen, other than Mahomes. I, I love Josh Allen. I truly believe in him. And that's all I got to say. And yeah, it's fine. You better have a damn good receiver. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. He does right now. Exactly. So that'll help. Steve, what are we at for a time? Oh, we have six minutes left. Okay. We do this with every guest, Alex. Yeah. Okay. Time to rank your top. uh, There's six New England states, right? Okay. Rank them. Okay. I did this on my podcast last year. Um, Go. Okay, well, first off, first off, there's five New England states. Nice one. Okay, I like where I like where going already. Wait a second. Whoa. This, this <laughs> has been statistically proven. There are more Yankees fans in Connecticut than Red Sox fans. That is not a New England state. And I, okay, fine. Eastern Connecticut. You just no, qualifying no. my second you favorite state? Eastern Connecticut. You take it up with the Western Connecticut people, and you turn some of them into Red Sox fans, and then we can talk. So of the remaining five states, <laughs> that's a great start first, first and foremost, obviously, Boston, okay. Gillette, everything, blah, blah, blah. It's the capital of New England. Massachusetts is first. Uh, second is Maine because it just is great. It's just a vacation spot. Also, it used to be part of Massachusetts. So that's a huge plus. Um, <laughs> third, I would go with New Hampshire, fireworks, no sales tax, mm-hmm. Lake Winnipesaukee. I kind of do tied for third between New Hampshire and Vermont, right? I think that it depends on what you're looking for. There's a, between the, they're very, between those two, they're two different versions of the same thing. They're two complete opposites of the same thing. So I like New Hampshire better just cause I hate long car rides. It's quicker for me to get there. But if you said Vermont over New Hampshire, I wouldn't argue that. I think that one's personal preference. Rhode Island's fourth. Great food, great Italian food in Rhode Island, but that's it. 78% of people in Rhode Island still think they're in Massachusetts. And as somebody who growing up was terrified of escalators, the Providence Place Mall was a literal hell. 
Oh, yeah. you want to talk about so, hell in the Providence Place Mall, Alex. Have you ever been in that mall when the escalators are not turned on yet in the morning? It is the scariest that, thing. And then they turn is, on all of a sudden on you. It's just, it's terrifying. You don't know what's up, what's down. I still have trauma. Here's one good part of the Providence Place Mall, and this is as of like 2008. I don't know if this exists anymore. Okay. <laughs> At one point in time, there was a Build-A-Bear workshop next door to a Spencer Gifts. Yes. And that's outstanding. That's outstanding. There was, like a, there was an EB Games there too back when that was a thing. Was there? But like, like that's good place to bear. Yeah. Spencer gifts. Like, think of right. Think about what you can do with those two stores. So, <laughs> you know, I don't look. I, I do honestly love Rhode Island. I do. I you know, it, it's a it's a high fourth. I think all. I really do love New England. I do. Um, but you know, I, I have to put it forth because the Providence Place Mall tortured me as a child. <laughs> so that's that's you know that's, that's what that is. So okay. Okay. But I all, all love to the people in Rhode Island. I do. I'm a South Shore person, so I went down to Rhode Island a ton. I spent a ton of time. Like I, I went to Rhode Island more than I went to New Hampshire, and Maine, growing up. So I do have love for Rhode Island. Just all right, we'll take it. I guess. The damn mall. <laughs> Are you from Mass? Is that where you're from originally? I am. I am from uh, Sharon, Massachusetts. If you know cool. where that is. So that's I, I grew up five minutes from Gillette Stadium. Wow, cool. Yeah, like I could hear the games at night and stuff. So how many games have you been to in your life? As a fan, two. And then Patriots as a games. oh, and as a reporter, wow. you've been there like a, a million. Yeah. So I and then I've been on the beat uh, since twenty, so eighteen, nineteen, twenty, so three years worth of games. Straight. Uh, um, yeah, but I was. Uh, yeah, I went to my first ever Patriots game. Was and I grew up a diehard fan, but we just never went. Uh, my first ever game was the the AFC Championship. They lost to the Ravens when Tom Brady kicked Ed Reed in the balls. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> I was at I was at a preseason game too, if that counts. And then I was at the Miami game. Uh, when in 2016, when Brady was suspended and Garoppolo hurt his shoulder. Oh yeah. So those were two games, and then the preseason game I went to as a fan. Cool. Are you in Philly right now no. for the, uh, the for the preseason game? No, I'm game? not. I'm bad. I wish I okay. was there. The FOMO was real all day today, but it uh, just wasn't in the cards. So I'm covering from back here, but you okay. know I'm doing my best, and, and we'll have coverage coming all down the road. So very, very nice. cool. Do you have any last closing takes? Anything? You can make fun of Josh Allen if you'd like in my terrible huh. comp or any big um, NFL predictions. Yeah. Anything, What's the yeah. Team that's going to overperform like the bills did last year. Like any, well, oh, who's like the that? team that's going to overperform. Ooh, that's a, re- so I think the Titans are going to be really good. I don't think it's going to be an overperformance. I think the Titans are going to be really, really freaking good. Um, which team's going to overperform. I can see the timer here too. That's like pressure on me. Damn. Yeah, less than <laughs> Drop it on us. I think the Panthers. Don't don't, like don't, the, don't forget to plug your. Twitter. I think the Panthers are going to overperform. I, I you know I've liked the Panthers for a little bit. I think I think they got a bunch of players that are are probably underrated. I, you know Robbie Anderson and Sam Darnold are two guys who I think are good players. They were just stuck in the black hole that is the Jets. Um, and even if Darnold doesn't work out, I really like PJ Walker. Honestly, I think they've drafted well the last couple of years. So yeah, I don't know. I'm not saying they're going to win a Super Bowl. I'm not even saying no, they're going to no. make the NFC Championship. But I see a lot of people have them in Sharpie as the fourth place team in that division. Maybe the Saints have some quarterback trouble and they catch him. Maybe Matt Ryan's you know arm isn't there anymore and they catch they catch the Falcons. I'm not I'm not totally sleeping on him. Uh, plug my Twitter at real Alex Barth and you can check out all my content 985thesportsup.com. Thank you, awesome, Alex. Like Thirty seconds. So. <laughs> all right, that's perfect. We'll see you around. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for we appreciate having you guys. Go back. All right, see ya. The one true host returns with some fucking shout-outs. I know you homies missed me last week. So, first and foremost, I got a shout-out to my brother, Jake motherfucking Ruth. 
only person that noticed. There wasn't any shout-outs last week. Only person that hit me up. Hey, Steve, with no shout-outs. Here I am. I miss you, homie. Just like you miss me. I love y'all. Oh, shout-out Alex Fava. Shout-out Jake Morocco. Shout-out James Murph. Yo, James Murph caught me on TV. I'm the monster. Everywhere I go, that kid sees me. Yes, sir, I was on the monster. That was a lot of fun. Met Diego, shout out Diego, shout out Al, Nahigian. These people are real people. I wasn't sure. For a long time, I was like, maybe, maybe these are all figments of my imagination. You go on Twitter, I see these random people hit me up all the time. Oh, I'm from Mass. No, it's real. These people are fucking real. Shout out Mike Yeba. The most supportive dude on Twitter. I can't wait to meet Mike Yebs. That's another Twitter guy. Gotta meet Mike Yebs. Met this dude named Lance this week. My girlfriend's friend's fiance. Kids, my boy. Told me he's gonna listen to this podcast. Yo, Lance, you hear this? Give me a shout. Lance, if you listen this far, I'll be mind blown. Shout out Kevin Garnett, Lance's favorite topic ever. Shout out SNHU, baby. Sanu. Sanu basketball. Yeah, no more to say. We're having fun. This has been a fun summer. I'm happy to be back. One Jerome's returns. Watching Bachelor in Paradise tonight. I gotta get off this fucking podcast. Finish these shoutouts quickly because my girlfriend's waiting for me to watch Bachelor in Paradise. What's up with that? My life changed so much in two months' time. For the better. That's what it's all about. We out here, we're trying to change each other's lives. Small things, big takes. Listen to our podcast and maybe your life will change for the better. Probably not. You know, I was telling Lance, he's like, yo, let me listen to your podcast. I'm like, bro, do me a favor. Just humor me and don't listen to it. This fucking podcast sucks. But you know what? We have a cult following. The homies listen. I mean, G-Baby still out here listening every week. What? My boy's getting married in a month. G-Baby. Everybody give G-Baby a fucking shout out. That's the guy that deserves a fucking hi yeah. Oh my god, hi yeah. A fucking R.I.P. to John Overeem. People forget. The first man to ever be born with a helmet on his head. Shout out Josh. Martin. Josh, be here in this. I know you like this beat. I know you like this beat, Josh. Shout out Josh, you missed this week, baby. There's one true blue guy in this podcast. I might be the one true host, but Josh holds this podcast together like that Elmer's blue sticks. Blue sticks, baby. The blue ones, or the purple ones. Remember that shit in school? Yeah. Kanye needs to drop fucking Donda. Big take. Please, God. I'm begging See you guys next week. It's been fun.